What up, what up, what up? Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. It's the coach, Dre Blass, chef Andre Blass, again, coming at you with the recipe menu Mondays. I am flat out excited to be here again. This is February, Black History Month is in full effect. We're in 2022, almost at the end of the second month of 2022. And so far, I can see that for many of my people out there, it's been the most profitable and most healthy year uh, to start out so far. But you know how healthy it is from the beginning of the year. Everybody joins the gym at the beginning of the year, right? It's all the people that persevere in months six, seven, and eight that are the real ones. Uh, you know, that, that, that start off strong with their resolution. But don't, don't make a resolution, make a solution, right? <laughs> you can resolve to do anything until you do it, right? So uh, uh, welcome to today's show. We're flat out excited to be here on Intentional Talk Radio Network, Black-owned and operated in its beauty and its excellence, doing all kind of wonderful things out there in the community. And what we do is podcasters and hosts. So I'm I'm in overjoyed and over top with some great things we're going to talk about today. And uh, for Black History Month, I'm going to bring in a couple of special guests that I'm going to tell you about a little bit later uh, to talk about some things that is definitely needed in the Black community. You know, my moniker is health and wealth of the future of our people. And who are our people? You. Anybody that's listening to this podcast currently, because you must understand that that is the only way for us to have generational wealth continuously. See, the problem is uh, with with us, especially as people of color, we weren't necessarily taught in this country how generational wealth is supposed to be. We were taught that we had to get out there and work. If you go back to, you know, even in the times of slavery, right, when they got free from being slaves, they became sharecroppers, and, of course, didn't get their 40 acres and a mule, but they did get to be on land that they had to pay for with their best crops given to the, to the, to the landowners and had to take the trash crops and make the best out of it. Some of the greatest cuisine, you know, I'm a chef, greatest cuisine that comes out of America started from struggle, right? And a lot of times people don't understand that they ate bad then because that's what they had to work with. They made terrible taste good, right? I mean, and and to this day, everybody now loves bacon, right? Comes from the same animal people eat chitlins from. And a lot of people don't like chitlins and pig feet and everything else. But think about what they did as slaves taking the slop and making it incredible. So for us as a people, we have to understand that what we put in our body is just as much as important as what we put in our mind, Okay. And with my organization, Mindful Eating for the Beloved Community, it's not just about what you consume in the body. It's also what you consume in the mind. Really understanding that for every ailment, sickness, and disease that's out there, there is a cure that God has given us naturally to be able to do it. Now, it may take time to do it, much like losing weight if you don't do it with you know, any kind of pills and potions. You work out, your muscles will get big, you got to eat right. If you do all those things naturally, It'll change for you. And in our mind, when you're dealing with mental health, like my guest I had a couple of weeks ago, we consume so much negativity, we forget that there's more positivity than there is negativity in our given lives. You know, oftentimes we don't find that balance. I was just speaking with a young man before I hopped on this podcast. Um, You know, he's a a good pastor friend of mine, and uh, he was struggling with it, you know, a, 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 a few things for his personal that he wanted to do. And I told him, I said, you know, God, God is a God of balance, right? I mean, there's a balance between good and evil for a reason. You just don't necessarily have to be the imbalance being evil. And he didn't give us the spirit of fear. He gave us the spirit of faith, right? So we got to believe and put in the work. And when you take that aspect in anything that you do, you can accomplish whatever you put your mind to. And this is going to be a little bit different, but when I say you can put your mind towards anything, somebody was creative enough (laughs) to implant an idea that you didn't have to be who you were born. Now, I know most people will look at it like, you know what, they're crazy, you know, all the different things, spirituality. I look at it as I don't necessarily agree with it, but man, just think how 
powerful the brain is that you would even think that concept and figure out a way to make it happen. Even though we know biologically it can't happen. A man can't be a woman, no matter how many parts you take out, include hormone pills you take, it doesn't matter. A man's not going to be a woman. A woman's not going to be a man. We don't have the right parts. There's XX and XY, right? If you're born XX, you'll be XX till you die. I don't care how much you change. XY. Now, when I'm dead and gone, there might be some changes in chromosomes and DNA. Right. And, you right. know, t- totally different. But right now, if you feel like you a man in right. a woman's body or vice versa, you were still born either XX yep. or XY. That's right. That's Somebody right. had the mental capacity to implant that and it's turned it into a, 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 a almost, I think it's up to like a $600 million industry to have plastic surgery to not be who you are. So, so, so Andre, how does it, how have we changed? I don't call that an evolution. How have we changed? And instead of using terms like the way you were born, it's called an assignment. So I agree with what you're saying wholeheartedly. And you know me. I don't believe that God assigned us. I believe that God wanted us to be born the way we were born. That's not an assignment. Your teacher gives you an assignment. Your college professor gives you an assignment. So where are we getting these these terms from? I was born a girl, and I'm going to always be a girl. I don't care what else I might think I want to do. I'm going to always be a girl. So how how is it things have changed? And I don't call that an evolution, honey. I call that a, well, never mind. I'll keep that to myself. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're right. It's not necessarily an evolution because most of the time with evolution, if you really look at it, even with Darwin's theory of evolution, uh, something has to be fade away for it to come back. That's why I never believed in the gorilla thing, you know, uh, about us coming from gorillas. Because with evolution, you know, the gorillas would have died because they would have evolved into us, right? They wouldn't still be here. You know, it's kind of like with, with you know, I don't think the dinosaurs died. You know, dinosaurs are crocodiles and the giant lizards and those funny looking fish that are in you know, in the water that we never see in the deep depths of it, right? Evolution would kill something else. So this is an evolution. What it is is that it has had an opportunity to expand the mental capacity where people would come up with a opportunity to not only capitalize financially, but give you a chance to change your identity. We've heard about people changing their identity all the time. It's usually just a simple name change. You know, we see it in movies. We see it in in witness protection programs where people are running from the mob and things like that. So it's not a concept that's far-fetched. What they did was they took it to another level in saying, hey, you know what? We have an idea. You may be someone who is male or female, but feel like you are a female. We've come up with a way to actually make you feel closer to that. Do I think God made a mistake? Nope. You are exactly what you were born meant to be. But your choices have dictated where you're going. And as much as my Christian family don't necessarily want to believe it, my Muslim family don't necessarily want to believe it, my Jewish family don't necessarily want to believe it, it has a purpose for whatever the overall plan is. God does not make mistakes. God does not. See, this isn't a mistake. Someone thinking thinking that they're not a man it should be a woman. That's not a God fault. That's their fault. Yeah. Okay. So what? What was that? Sort of like, oops, I made a mistake. Go ahead. You can change it. I'll, 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 I'll give that to you. You can change it. Whatever you want to do now, you can change it. Oops, I made no, a mistake. Actually, Sorry about that. Is, really? Actually, what it is is choice. That great thing that they gave us called free will. But I and you know what? If you know the Lord's prayer, God did not give us free will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you are not going to tell me that. But remember, when you break down that passage, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's for the people who believe. You got to think, if you're somebody that doesn't believe that, how are you going to be able to walk in that anointing? How are you going to be able to walk in that faith and that belief? Yes. Because if you're Muslim, 
they don't know they, they don't do the right. Lord's prayer. Right. right? That's so right. if they don't That's know right. their belief, it's a belief for us as believing in Christ, not necessarily for them that don't. That's why it's free will gives them the opportunity to write what I like to tell people is the dash in the middle. See, we got a starting point and an ending point. And these couple of gentlemen I'm about to break up, we're going to talk about some of these choices that we need to make as, as people of color in this country. But God gives us the opportunity to write the dash, right? And in writing that dash, he has a plan laid out for us. He knows when we're going to expire. He knows when it's time to go home. What we do in the dash still falls within his purpose. See, those people that are choosing to be men instead of women and vice versa, it has a purpose. And it may not be for us to understand what that purpose is. It could be to expose, you know, the coming of the king. It could be to expose how Satan is the great influencer. It could be for us to uh, 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 break down racial barriers even. And, and, and finally be on one accord that underneath all this, we're all human beings, right? We don't quite, we're not quite sure how far this is going to go. But I mean, they got VR that's trying to download our consciousness into a machine so we can live forever, right? Like the movies in the 80s. So we don't necessarily know what that purpose is, but there is a purpose in it. So with that being said, that was my little... That was my little my little intro rant into Thank you. Great. choices. Thank okay? you so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's about so it's much. about yeah, identifying and have acknowledgement. There's certain characteristics in the in, in in the people of color community that we haven't been privy to over the years and we have choice. Right? And it may not be the best choice for everybody. It may not be the best choice for you. You know, I'm very comfortable in my masculinity. I'm glad God made me a man. I Thank you so much. Great. So, and, and I'm comfortable know, uh, being a girl. Exactly. <laughs> when you got four, when you got four daughters, man, you got to be very masculine. Right. You know, they'll have you tea parties and dad, let me try to make up. And right. Let me, let me go ahead and twist your hair. Hey dad, okay. put on your tutu. And I'll be like, nah, I'm good. Mm-mm. Right. No, I'm okay. I'm That's good. Right. They'll have you in makeup and a, and a tutu. Exactly. I'm sitting here in my jogging pants and t-shirts and have this tea with my pinky up. Right. That's about it. <laughs> That's you know? right. But, of course, you know, the show was about health and wealth. So I want to give a, 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 a quick shout out to um, my girl, Emily Bach. Uh, me and Emily in April, we're doing a, a summit. It's called the Merge Summit, a discussion of, of, of racial... Um, why am I drawing a blank on it? Because I keep wanting to say racial equalities. It's not about racial equalities. Uh, racial truths, right? And so we have a full panel of uh, all white people and a full panel of all black people. And we're going to have a conversation about upbringing and race. So um, the Merge Summit is the sponsor for today's show um, with myself and Emily Bob. And I think it's going to be an incredible conversation because these two gentlemen I'm going to bring up is going to be talking about something that wealthy wealthy white people, you know, I'm very candid, uh, wealthy white people have been teaching their family for generations on how to have continuous wealth uh, over and over again in different communities going forward, right? And, and to have that money for the rest of their lives. And it's a choice, right? It's a choice to take this opportunity to build your wealth, to learn about what you don't know. And a lot of white people know the stuff that these guys are going to teach, especially white people in business. You know, they always talk about, you know, how to Trump avoid all these taxes. Well, these young men are actually going to, you know, explain to you how the wealthy has been doing it for, I don't know, centuries here in the United States. What are we, 300, 400 years old as a country now? So I can say centuries and it'd be plural, <laughs> right? You know, and and it's, it's, it's incredible when they shared this with me because... Um, I know about trust. I know about doing business and, and, and I know about how to maximize your profit. But this little tidbit of information that they're going to share today, um, I did not know. And it's something that's privy for the people that are that are high up. Yeah, I got to trust to protect most of the stuff, but I never knew that that trust could protect my trust and be more profitable in the long run. 
So this is something that people of color definitely need to know. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce these fine young gentlemen that I happened to meet through LinkedIn and, and, and had a wonderful one-hour conversation and told them I got to bring you guys on the show. So the gentleman I'm about to bring up, I got Paul Shaw, Mr. CPA, tech extraordinaire. I think one of his taglines is, you know, stay-at-home father, you know, but he's one of the top CPAs in his field. And then I have good old Herschel Metcalf. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's related, related to all the famous Metcalfs that's out there, my boy in NASCAR, but man, this, 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 this man's way to explain um, the different levels and hierarchies of being successful and being profitable and saving taxes. You know, uh, I'm sure he's going to talk about one example that he gave today, but when he showed me this model that's, uh, you know, legal and recognized by the government, um, that's probably the biggest selling point. You know, the government knows that this is this is real. This is not something they made up or pulled out of the sky. You know, it's been around for years. But with this particular thing, he said, you know, when his clients almost like 68 to 70 percent in taxes. So if you don't understand what that means, he's going to show you. But if you owed a hundred thousand dollars in taxes, and there was a way for you to save seventy thousand dollars in taxes legally be protected and hold up in a court of law if you were challenged, would you invest in it? Would you invest in saving $70,000 a year on $100,000 worth of taxes that you would have to pay? So I'm not going to steal any more of, those, uh, of their thunder. You know, Paul Urschel, you know, you guys come off mute. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you, gentlemen. All right, thanks for having me. to be here. Thank you, Andre. That's what's Very up. Nice. That's what's up. So, Paul, introduce yourself to your people, and, and, and as soon as Paul is done, Urshan, if you would introduce it to uh, to my audience, and let's get this on. All Absolutely. right. Well, well, yeah. So, my name is Paul Shaw, and um, I'm an enrolled agent. So, which means that my license is federal. So, my my license has been issued by the IRS. So, I'm licensed in every state. I'm not actually a CPA. CPA is state bound, um, and d- deals with public accounting. But uh, my background has been in um, as a loan officer, insurance agent, and tax and accounting, and been doing that for the last 14 years, and also helping out with other nonprofits for underprivileged youth. And it's just like Andre said, I am a single father of two, um, six and well, my my son he'll be four in the next two days, uh, so six and four. And um, yeah, just happy to be here to share this with everyone. Uh, Andre reached out by LinkedIn and we connected. We got Ursula on, on, on the call as well. And we just had a good conversation about what our people have been lacking in knowledge in these particular areas and how we can actually, you know, help ourselves to grow as a community, leave a legacy, a, a build a dynasty, you know, and uh, continue to like grow and supplement within this industry. So thank you very much for having me. Outstanding. Let's go, Paul. I'm working on my little buzzing in the background. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's what we do. All right, Urshel, but you, you're on deck, good man. Go ahead. Awesome. My name is Urshel Metcalf, and uh, it really is a, a pleasure and an honor, based on our previous conversation, uh, to be able to, to share and be on your show. Uh, um, I uh, was in the Marine Corps for 13 years. Um, after leaving the Marine Corps, I did about 10 years of uh, ministry work and missionary work. And in 2009, I came back home to Dallas. And since that time, I've been in some aspect of financial services. I started in insurance and uh, eventually started my own agency and got into wealth management. And then after that, I for a brief time, I had a small investment company where we raised about $14 million to invest in uh, early revenue businesses. And Ever since then, I've been working with entrepreneurs in one way or the other, whether they're veterans or not, and uh, helping them be economically efficient has always been my strategy, understanding the the value of each dollar and and squeezing that nickel till the buffalo makes a noise. I love it till the till the buffalo makes some noise. Oh, buffalo nickel! How about that? How about a throwback? Don't date yourself, Ursula. We don't want nobody. To don't date yourself now. No, I love to buffalo date myself. <laughs> I'm well, excited and running. <laughs> excited, gentlemen. Once again, thank you guys so much. 
uh, 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 for being on, on on today. So, um, whichever one of you guys want to start off, um, I'm, I'm going to give you maybe about five or ten minutes to explain briefly what it is, and I want to get the opportunity to have some questions because I know when we got on this last time, you know, thirty minute conversation turned into an hour and fifteen minutes, and everybody on the call was late to another appointment. It got so good, right? So um, whichever one you guys want to start off, give a brief background of what an MEC trust is and, um, and, and, and just tell a little bit of the story. And Ursula, you got to tell the story. How about you? How you save that guy? You know, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to give it away because it's a, it's a <laughs> huge gap. So I want you to tell the story, but you got to, you got to tell the people how you saved them like 70%, you know, mm-hmm. on it and, and him not being, you know, somebody that's making 10, 20, 30 million dollars, someone that was just, you know, makes a million, right? So whichever one you guys want to start, you know, tell a little bit about uh, uh, about what an MEC is and uh, break it down for the people. You got it, Richard. Go ahead and take us away. All right. Um, so here's uh, here's what we do. We, we teach um, an economic system of capitalization. And so most everybody um, on, on a consumer basis, what we're taught is money comes into your economy, your personal or your business economy. And basically one of four things happens. Um, you use it to consume, you buy stuff. Uh, you may put some in savings, you may invest some. And if you don't have enough for what you want, you borrow some like a car or a house. Well, we talk about the economic impact of all of those things. And when I consume what I do, when money comes in and I go buy something, I forever lose the ability to earn interest on that dollar. It only did one thing for me, and then it goes off to work for someone else. When I take my money and I put it in a savings account, um, it is not working for me, but it's working extra hard for the bank. You know, they're lending that $1 out 20 times and earning interest on that with fractional reserve banking. And for the privilege, I'm getting about half a percent while inflation is at a 40-year high. So savers are losers when you put your money in the bank. Uh, If I invest that money, I give up control over what happens to it. I'm not in control of that. And I lose the liquidity. So those are economic impacts um, of how money flows through our system. And so when we teach this system of capitalization, the first thing that happens when money comes into your economy Instead of sending it away to go do something for somebody else, we capture it, we lock it into a contract that will cause it to forever and for the rest of our life earn compound interest. And so now that compounding interest starts taking hold of all of our income. And here's what we're in effect doing. We're insuring our income and we're warehousing our capital. And so Now, this money is locked in. It's in our warehouse. It is never going to leave our economy. And on top of that, it is compounding an interest. Albert Einstein said that compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Those who understand it, earn it. Those who don't, pay it. And so we want to give that understanding. The Bible says you're getting, but get understanding. And so we want to understand how money works and how money moves. And so once we have people working in this capitalization strategy, and now instead of their money going out, they're able to deploy what we've always heard, other people's money for consumption, other people's money for investment. And now the savings is built in, and when they need to borrow, once they've capitalized enough, they can borrow from themselves. And so when we change just that one step, in the economic system and create capitalization, now we're on the path to creating a wealth engine that will not only continue to generate income and give you foundational financial leverage, but from generation to generation, it blossoms and causes the next generation to start out really exponentially further than the original generation or the first generation. And then we have this trust that is very unique in the sense that this trust is 488 years old. Um, It was started in England to stop the king from doing land grabs. Um, The colonizers came over and 
that when they wrote the Constitution, they wrote the provisions into the Constitution that would allow us to be able to use this trust because they understood the power. And so this trust was not a creation of our legislature. And the reason why that's important is our legislature can only tax things that it creates, which is the reason why you and I are given a social security number after we're born, because in effect, we become a business to the government. They trade on the equity of our life, right? That's why on all government forms, our name is in all caps, because we are a business to them, a business entity. And so this trust is able to be its own entity, not an extension of my life or yours. But since the legislature did not create it, the legislature cannot tax it. And now things in it may receive tax liability, but we're able to do some amazing things uh, when it comes to that. So this trust built on these five pillars and not being subject to, in the Supreme Court um, case, um, they said it's not subject to the myriad of changes that the legislature might um, make necessary for other trusts. This trust isn't subject to those things. So now we have this trust that is a titanium vault. Whatever is in there cannot be litigated against. You, it can't, the trust can't be sued, and everything in the trust is locked into that trust so powerfully that even eminent domain, even the government saying, we need your land to put a railroad through here for the good of the country, they can't take that land from you. They are going to have to negotiate um, based on your price. And if it's that, if it's that important, then they're going to have to pay you for it or pay you for the use or the lease of it. But they can't take it from you because of eminent domain. So that's the, the, the protection and the asset protection is actually the strongest part of this trust. But because the government can't tax this trust in and of itself, um, for our real estate investors, when they take and put their assets inside of this trust, um, for, um, our cryptocurrency people, when they take and put their crypto wallets or their brokerage accounts inside of this trust, when they realize capital gains, they are able to permanently defer those capital gains. So instead of giving that money to the IRS, they keep that money in their trust in their account. When they sell that property that they bought for 300000 made improvements and sell it for 800000 they keep those, that 28% capital gains or whatever it is. It stays in their economy. So now we have money coming in that stays in our economy that's growing with compound interest and, and giving us leverage. And then the money that we make, the money that we create through our businesses, through our ingenuity, through our creativity, we're keeping that and the taxes that would come, even passive income tax. And so the gentleman that you, uh, that you mentioned uh, you know, I want he, you to say that again one more time. You said passive income tax. Yeah. Can, can you go a little bit deeper, you know, into that? Because I'm a passive being passive residual income type guy. You know. Okay. And when you say to protect that tax, go a little bit more into that before you talk about uh, uh, before you talk about the guy. Sure. So so active income is when I go out and I work and I get paid for that work. Um, I, I, we could be W-2, it could be K-1, it could be 1099. It, that's active income. I'm going out and working and getting paid for what I did. Passive income, um, and, and, you know, our enrolled agent could probably give us a, a, a clear definition, but passive income is money that comes in not because I'm working for it. It could be rental income. It could be, you know, any type of income that is coming in that's not a direct um, it could be, you know, again, my, my brokerage accounts, money that I'm receiving um, off of investments and things like that. That's passive income. I'm not going out and working for that. Now, we, we know that the, the people that have the most passive income are wealthy people, right? And so the passive income tax is a lot lower than the uh, active income tax. And so, but Passive income tax, again, is how we we really want to build wealth because I don't want to spend my whole life exchanging time for money. That's a sucker's bet. Because if I do that, then I can only earn what I go out and nobody is going to pay me what I'm worth because it can't be profitable and do that. 
So if I want to really make wealth, create wealth, I have to have money that's coming in while I sleep. I have to have money that I don't have to get up and go work and take time away from my family. I have to have that money coming in in other ways. I think, you know, that, that is one of my favorite things, especially with dealing with passive income, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to, to when, when I think of passive income, you know, and paying taxes on it, you know, it's, it, it's like it's deferred. And then with this concept, it's deferred even more and reduced right? because of the way the contract is set up. So it's like, you know, typical insurance agent, they live off passive income, people renewing policies, right? Right. So they may get a big, big payday in the beginning when you sign up for your life insurance, car insurance, whatever the policy is. Maybe mm-hmm. they get, you know, 10 grand in the beginning, but every year they're going to get $500,000 or whatever. Well, they've got to pay the regular taxes on it, you know, as passive mm-hmm. income because it's reported as income. Right. But if they can put it inside that MEC, right, mm-hmm. then the tax is not only deferred, it's sold to another entity which lowers your taxes Mm. yeah i I hope everybody is getting that i'm trying to put it in in as simplest terms as possible because it's it's a contract that is 400 plus years old that is another one of those little known things that i was telling you about with this Mm. is something that i'm doing and little known things that the people that created institution and all the law they didn't tell everybody this, right? right? They still don't tell people this today. And my people didn't know this. I didn't know it. I've been, and I've been a businessman quite some time, you know? And and I've been in some, some circles with some well, none of them have shared that with me, you know? I, I've always looked at it as when they say wealthy people aren't paying taxes, I said, because... You know, you control everything and own nothing. I mean, that makes sense why they don't pay taxes. You don't put your, you know, I mean, I knew that concept. My name, my name isn't on it. It's an LLC. It's incorporated. It's completely separate. If they sue the LLC, they can't come get my house, right? If they mm-hmm. sue the S-Corp, they can't come get my, you know, my my uh, my cars. You know, they can't touch my personal stuff. Mm-hmm. But see, this is another level, people. And I hope you're understanding this for my people who are tuning in and everybody listening to this on re- this just took generational wealth to the equity level for people mm. of color because you don't have to have an enormous amount of money, which is the story he's going to bring up now because there's small business people out there that's making $250,000 a year on top of their million-dollar business. Not just $250 worth of you know, their business profit. That's what they're taking home. There's quite a few of them on my block alone in my neighborhood that's making that kind of take-home pay, but can't seem to overcome that threshold or take a step up. $250,000 that would be put in a secure uh, a secure contract or trust that would not only lower my taxes, defer my taxes, but help minimize my taxes in the long haul, puts more profit in my pocket. So even if my company's making a million dollars and I get $250 profit, I can still use this over here to make more money and I beat to pay less taxes. You know, Ursula, you want to continue to comment on that? Then I want you to tell the story. Sure. Um, you know, the way that I liken this is to, you know, again, if we look at the scriptures, a lot of this is laid out for us there. Um, when, when we understand this principle, um, it's, it's very simple at the first generation is the only generation whose wealth starts with income. And so, you know, when you look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? So Abraham received the promise, and and he had one son, you know, and that was, you know, somewhat miraculous under the circumstances. And then Isaac, he has two sons. So there's addition from one generation to the next, but at least they're not starting from scratch. And then... Jacob, who became Israel, has 12 sons, right? So now we get into multiplication. You know, that's a 6X from one generation to the next. And then after that, the promise was you won't be able to number the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore. So it goes from 
addition to multiplication to exponential growth. And that's what happens because from one generation that starts with income, and then they protect all of the assets, they insure all of the income, and that grows for their entire lives. When they expire, then that income, that those policies, those banking policies blossom. We call it a legacy fund. The insurance company calls it death benefit, right? So they, that blossoms and now millions of dollars goes back into the family trust. And that is what the next generation is working off of. So when you think about three to four generations having passed, it's virtually impossible to not have tens of millions of dollars in your family trust, in addition to all the assets, all the land, all the houses, all of those things that have been accumulated from one generation to the next, they never go anywhere. They stay in that trust. And that becomes the weight that everyone runs behind. Some Ooh, of these. Oh, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Yeah, Don't sell your somebody... grandma's house. If it's paid for, <laughs> you keep it. Stop right. selling it and taking the profit up front. I'm sorry. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. And and so when you do that and, and when that's the way things operate, you know, some of these wealthiest people that we know that we see on flying on private jets and, and doing all of these things, they don't even have a credit score. You know, they never owned a house. They've never owned a car. They never had anything in their neck. We, we've taken this term trust fund baby and it's almost like an insult. But what it really means is they've been living out of a trust their entire life. The Rockefellers have one of these trusts that is over 150 years old. They've wow. got 27 families, over 300 people, and 32 businesses wow. running out a 150-year-old trust. So if you can imagine how much wealth is inside I there. See I see your hand for that. I see your hand. Yeah, if you, if you can imagine that, and if we just did that again, even by the fourth generation, um, the, the numbers actually get stupid. And that's, you know, and that's just based on what we have acquired in our life. That's not then being able to, once you have assets, being able to make other moves that you would not otherwise have been able to make. Now, become, being able to be an accredited investor or have the trust be an accredited investor, all of these things that previously weren't available because we got this tool and we put it into effect. We added the life insurance, put it into effect, and now that equips us to play the game on a whole different level. That's changing right, the mindset. Right ahead. I see. You. I know you're trying to get the fence get that question now. She put her hand up and everything like we in grade school. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. I told so y'all. Everybody I wanna, just listen to this. This is going to be good today. It was so, going to be good today. So, Herschel, how do we change the mindset so that people understand that that applies to us just like it applies to the Rockefellers and Warren Buffett and the Kennedys and all of the people that whose names we have grown up with. And let me say this, we were, we were looking at doing some things and we had to choose um, what company represents us. Mm. So all of the major companies were on this diagram the Disney, Cadillac, Rolex, Chanel, and mm. so on, the major companies. Not one black company. Mm. Not one black company. Not yeah. one. And then we look at, as you say, the Rockefellers have done this. They're living off of the trust. We look at companies like Motown, which is gone. Right. We look at Essence. Uh, we look at uh, Ebony, gone. Jet Magazine, gone. Okay, upscale, trying to come back. Now mm -hmm. Essence and Black Enterprise, one of them is on the chopping block, getting ready mm -hmm. to be sold. So we don't keep, we don't hold on to wealth because we think in our subconscious that it does not apply to us. We right. can't do that. So if this is really, this is great information We've mm -hmm. got to change the mindset because we cannot be the brokest people on the planet. Right. Right. Um, you know, I think the, the recent numbers that were published was that um, the African-American buying power last year was, I believe, one point seven trillion dollars. Yeah. Um, which was I believe was almost doubling. But the net worth went down by 12 percent. And Forbes has already written that in the next 
I think it's by 20, in fact, I'm positive, it's 2033 to 2053, we will make up zero, zero wealth in this country. Yeah. And there are people who dispute that, but those are the very same people who don't have a bank account, who don't right. who spell wealth, who can't understand money, who don't know anything about money. They think that if it gets into the palm of their hand, it's burning a hole in their hand, so they got to get it out. Right. And so to answer your question, you know, how do we change the mindset? Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking several pills every day from spending my life trying to get people to change their mind about what they're doing. Yes, I agree. So, so I recognize that that is an impossible task. But what I do know is that I can show you better than I can tell you. And what I know about some of the families that operate this way, um, when you hear about, you know, if someone says in our community, oh, they kicked them out of the family, that just means they can't come to the cookout or the holiday meetings, right? Um, in, in this context, when they say that they're disinheriting someone, they're saying they're being cut off from the lifeline, from the source that the whole family has been operating on. So, so I don't feel like I have to change people's mindsets. I know that if I establish this and have this established in my family, and someone wants to benefit from that, they want to be a beneficiary of the trust, well, then I have some stipulations. I have some requirements. First thing we have to do is take out a life insurance policy on you. And then we're going to max fund that. You're not going to own it. The trust is going to own it. And we're going to, and you're going to contribute to that, right? Because we're going to teach you how this works. So I think that, you know, what we really have to do is we have to have those, those matriarchs and patriarchs and those, and whether they're the young people in the family, the old people in the family, who, who start making steps. And then because their life becomes different, and other people want to participate in that. Hey, Uncle Joe, can I borrow $1,000? No, you can't borrow $1,000. But here's what you can do. You can put $1,000. You can work and put some money in here. Then when you need some money next time, then you can collateralize a loan because you're a beneficiary of the trust. And so I think the, the thing isn't, it isn't about changing mindsets. It's about identifying with people's desired outcomes and then showing them how to achieve those outcomes. Yeah, I think that is one of the biggest things is the, the, the education portion. In order to change that mindset, because Colette, that is a great question, because you know I'm all about mindset coaching. In order to change the mindset, there has to be um, what they call in, 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 in my field, you got to replace a habit with a habit, right? So oh, if you're kicking a habit, Right. When you're when you're stopping to do something, say it's overeating, say it's smoking, say it's, you know, procrastination. The mind is incredible enough that it doesn't decipher time. It doesn't know the difference between real and fake. Right. Mm -hmm. It goes with whatever you believe. And so right. what we have to do is is educate those matriarchs and patriarchs or future matriarchs and patriarchs, because, you know, for me, I'm just now learning about this even though I've known about trust and building businesses and everything else to bring that generational wealth, because I know for me, I make, I, I make good money, right. And I make good money that I'm probably going to leave to the next group when I die. But mm -hmm. I also know that I'm paying too much in taxes based on what I have been shown. So if I could say that, we'll just talk about the tax portion. I'm just going to talk about the tax portion real quick because he's about to tell the story, the amount of money that he saved that gentleman, the gentleman still made good money. The amount of money he saved him in taxes, if that was to happen every year for 10 years, and he only took that amount of money to sit aside for his family, in 10 years, we're talking about a million dollars of less taxes he would have had to pay, just in taxes. Now, we're not talking about the fact that it protects all the businesses. He could take that extra tax money, invest in another business, bought another commercial property, bought, uh, you know, car dealership. There's a game I like to play called Cash Flow. Uh, I don't know if y'all have ever played it, but Robert Kiyosaki, I love playing Cash Flow. Absolutely. absolutely. Cash Flow is absolutely phenomenal. But he talks about buying stuff that are assets later on down the line. If you buy a house, buy two. You know, one to live in, one to rent. 
or I think the, the story in the book was you buy a bicycle, teach your kid to buy a bicycle, right? Buy two bicycles, one for him to ride and one to rent to the friend that can't have a bicycle, right? He becomes an entrepreneur at five and it gets him into the mindset. So it's not so much the mindset, now it's the information, like Ursula said, to get to that point of where do you want to go? Everybody doesn't want to be millionaires. Some people just want to be financially independent. Right. Some people want to be able to make a consistent $250,000, $300,000 a year, have expenses that are less than that, say $100,000, and save $150,000 to invest in their grandkids or whatever, because my father was on that plan. You know, my father didn't want to be a millionaire. He just saved a lot of his money, bought what he wanted to buy, right? But he saved a lot of his money and kept it. He didn't do any other investing in it. And if you want to be that person, that's fine. Why not pay less taxes on it? Right? Why not have it protected? You know? And then when you do give it away, your kids aren't paying the taxes. And Ursula, I I think you told me in in, in our last meeting of being able to evade a a probate court. Mm -hmm. Right? I think you said something about not having to do probate because it's protected where it's not going to be sued. So even if when I die, I owe 10 million dollars in some kind of debt all that stuff is in the trust whoever inherits my trust you know they don't have to fight in court over that now i'm right. going to teach them integrity if, if i left with that debt and i've got money to pay it pay it because it's it's i agree to the debt i just died before i could pay it right mm. pay the debt but you don't have to because it's right. a protection so tell, tell a little bit about that and then go into the story about the tax, the how much taxes you say that, Joe? Sure. Uh, you know, once once assets are sold to the trust, um, the, the key is ownership. You know, ownership is is kind of a fallacy that we bought into as the American dream. Um, but it's it's not about ownership; it's about control. And so, when the trust owns the assets, that has absolutely nothing to do with your personal debt. And when the trust owns the asset, and it's a generational trust like this. Um, it isn't about inheritance uh, because, you know, my intention is that nobody that comes after me will inherit anything. What they will receive is control over the assets in the trust. And so since there's no inheritance, since the items are not passing from one generation to the next in ownership, the ownership remains to be the trust. And so there's no chance for probate. There's, there's no opportunity for any of that because the trust is not an extension of my life. So when I die, that doesn't do anything but change the trustee. The successor now becomes the trustee. That's it. So probate, you know, fighting over, you know, who gets mom's earrings, all of that stuff. You know, it just it just doesn't exist. The trustee or the trustees um, are in control of everything that that trust owns. And I think that is, 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 is a phenomenal point, especially in any family. Um, yeah. Because as much as I, as much as we don't want to agree with stuff, you know, I tell the truth on this show. When somebody dies, there's a lot of money left. People get real funny and fit. Yeah. I'm just going to be real with you. And that's even the, 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 the favorite kid or the favorite brother or sister to the one that never gave uh, a, a flying, you know what, about right. that person that died. But that person leaves $5 million, all of a sudden, oh, my God. You know, even, yeah. I've, I've seen it even worse, even at 100000 But yeah. $5 million is like, oh, yeah, you remember that time I took them soup for an entire year when they were sick? You know, <laughs> I should get ten grand for that. Man, you right. spent, you bought Campbell. You didn't even make it fresh. I'm a chef. You at least made it fresh. You want some <laughs> kind of payout. You know, take the time to spend six hours for a good steak. You know, right. and, and <laughs> this helps to alleviate a lot of that stress that's right. going to be put on the trustee or the facilitator um, of that estate right. because they can only do what's in it and a court can't come in and change that. I want y'all right. to get that to my listeners that are out there. There are some trust that a court can change. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand that all trusts aren't ironclad. The typical basic trust that you get that protects most of your assets, things of that nature. Yeah, but when you get in the court of law after you die, it gets real finicky. You got to have one of the top lawyers. And most of the time, you can't spend any money out of the trust for that lawyer. 
because <laughs> you got to go through the process. You don't have the right. money yet. So if you don't have the 25K it needs to get the retainer for that lawyer, it could be changed by the court. But Herschel, as you tell the story about the taxes you saved this gentleman, because we got probably about five minutes left, and I want to make sure that you, you get this story out. Okay. Uh, explain briefly how it how the contract works for the protection of the trust, and then we're going to end it with you uh, uh, with the numbers of how you saved it that meant 70% or more in taxes. Um, and what, what, what did you want me to explain? I'm sorry, I missed it. Um, you know, how that trust is protected in the court of law. Oh, this, this, yeah. this MEC trust. Oh, yeah, it's really simple. Um, it's, it's um, the, and we have a lot of case law. If you go onto the website, Paul's website or mine, you go on, you'll see all the case law all the way up to the Supreme Court twice um, and been held up both times. And the reason why it's protected is because there is no jurisdiction for it. Um, so um, when the judge, when when your attorney or you hand the judge um, this trust document, um, then that judge knows that there's really nothing I can do. I can't subpoena anything out of this trust. I can't uh, I can't put any sort of order to extract anything from the trust. I can't even demand that you show me what's in the trust. And then if you do a DBA for your trust, um, you can make it so, you know, the name of your trust would never be known. So it just, it's just a jurisdictional issue. There's no, there's no, because that is all litigation and this trust cannot be litigated against. Wow. (laughs) Put put your trust in a name that people don't even know. So how, how do you do that? Urshel, how do you do that? How do you do which part? The trust, putting your, creating a trust and putting mm-hmm. it in a name that no one knows or recognizes for that protection that you're talking oh, about. Oh, sure, sure. So so the trust, you know, when you establish your trust, you give it a name, right? You oh, name the trust. Right. Don't, don't uh-huh. use your family name. Um, but then if you do a DBA, a doing business as, uh-huh. and then everything that's being done is under that DBA, then the name of the trust is never even exposed. Whatever your DBA is, is the only thing that's going on documents. Okay. Wow. Which protects the trust. It's no different than having a a LLC, a C Corp or an S Corp. And then you have companies under it. that says doing business as a separate LLC. They won't be able to sue that very top parent company which is what Pepsi, Coca-Cola, Dr. Pepper, uh, who are the other big names, do the same thing. It's oh, like the, the right. names of those companies we see aren't the names that they have everything under. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's just what we see is PepsiCo LLC. Now, that's one division. Frito-Lay, separate division. Thousand yeah. companies under it. Right. Or so that's, right. Man, that's so so there, there really is no benefit and going to the Kona liquor store to cash my check. <laughs> no, please don't go to the Kona liquor store. Oh, yeah, it might be for for you if you've got any uh, you know legal issues where you can't open a bank account or right, right. You know, uh, of you doing some some activities that require a cash flow. Right, <laughs> right, right. You know, right, something right. you got to keep off the books, maybe. But, right. Uh, yeah, like my. But y'all didn't hear that on my show. I did not. Grow right, up exactly. Good, I'm yeah, like my student told me, she said she didn't intend to open an account because nobody in her family had ever had an account, and she oh, and wow. her mama go to the Kona liquor store and cash day checks, and they and the guy only charges them uh, one and a half percent. Now imagine if she could take that one and a half percent that she's being charged. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling month, you, yeah, save it to yeah. invest. Right. She can go buy fourteen cent worth of Dodge coin right now. Yeah, fourteen cent for that one and a half percent of her hundred dollar, three hundred dollar, thousand dollar check, and right. be an right. investor that quick. Right. And it's and okay then to be able to put it in a trust that's protected that right. doesn't have to pay the taxes, et cetera, et cetera. And it's okay. Our mindset that it's okay to go to the Kona liquor store and cash that check because that's what everybody's done generationally. Right. So since everybody's done that generation after generation, why have an account? Nobody in the family's ever had an account, and they're mm-hmm. doing okay. So why? 
again, again, we have yeah, generational, and we've got to get out of that. That boy, yeah, we've and that has consumed us to a detriment. It's detriment. Man, we're coming up on the end here. This is good. I might have to bring you guys back for a part two. Absolutely, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. This might have to be a continuous. Uh, yeah. But before we do go, uh, Urshel, please uh, make sure you put your your hashtag social media stuff in the in in the uh, chat. You were talking. I sent it to Paul. Paul put, okay. uh, put it in there because uh, I know my girl Kiana. She always like to have the hashtags, and social medias, and email uh, outlets and stuff. I like that we can follow and get more information. And then for my people that are listening, you know, give them your information, your website and stuff verbally, you know, so they'll have it um, when they when they go back and listen to it. And then we, with the last minute or two, you know, uh, uh, just 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 give them the numbers of how much taxes he was going to pay, how much mm-hmm. he saved him, and how much he had to pay. Sure. And uh, I put in there in the chat. So my name is Urshel. Um, and you can just go Herschel at every social media out there. Uh, between me and my son, there's not a lot of people competing for that, uh, that name out there. So, um, so this individual is a business owner. He had $1.1 million in gross receipts. Um, he was paying himself about $170,000 W-2. Remember that number. He was paying himself $170,000. Um, his taxable income was just under $688,000. And his tax liability was $197 and some change. Um, by using the trust strategy, he was able to, we were able to get his taxable income down to $136,000 and change versus $688,000. And the check he wrote to the IRS was $21,808.74. So that's a savings of over $170,000. What did I say he paid himself in W-2? $172,000. So he saved enough in taxes to replace himself if he needed to, just in one year. He saved his entire salary in savings, just based on the trust. I'm telling you, man, every time I, every time I just hear that, I'm just like, ah, let's do this. Oh, my listeners yeah. out there understand what he just said. I do. Man makes $172,000 a year. He was going to pay $191,000 in taxes. So his entire year check was going to be in taxes to the government. With this MEC, he saved himself his whole paycheck and only had to write a check for $20,000. So my people out there listening with three minutes left to go, if you had an opportunity to write a $191,000 check for all the money that you earned in taxes, and it could be reduced down to twenty thousand. Would you be a little bit happier to write a twenty thousand dollars check versus one hundred and ninety-one k? I'm just saying, I would. I'd write that check with no uh, what's the word begrudgingly. No, I'd write that with no grudges. I'd write it without a problem. I'd, I'd write it like Donald Trump dropping a hundred dollars. No, who was that? Um, uh, was it Bill Gates? It was somebody they said back in the day. He 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 makes uh he makes more money dropping a hundred dollar bill than spending it. It, it was something that I read, to, you know, some time ago. It's like he dropped a hundred dollar bill, he'll make more, make more money. So, um, so, and and uh, you know, the program director Colette, she said we got to bring you guys back for a part two and three. We got to get more people in in people of color in our community to understand this and actually sign up for it. Uh, Absolutely, uh, we 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 we've got to because because I'm so and I still have a meeting set up. You know, for you guys, because some of those guys are listening now. So we're going to go in depth more offline. So, uh, well, we got two minutes left. Uh, gentlemen, give us your, your verbal social medias and things like that. And then we're going to go ahead and end this show before the top of the hour. All right. Carl, go ahead. Okay. I got uh, at Apex Tax. Uh, Apex Vision Tax is one. And um, you can always go to Apex Tax uh, bookkeeping.com. Forgive me. Outstanding. Appreciate you, Paul. That's the one that's going to do the books for you, as as Urshel saved you this money. Urshel, everybody, your uh, you know your social media and your website stuff. Sure. My website is epicoptimize.com. You bring the epic, we'll optimize it. And uh, so, and then on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Urshel. Um, just find me out there. And also, Epic Optimized on social media as well. 
and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be sure to drop some wisdom on you. Outstanding. Well, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate your time for being on here today. I will set up a time for you guys to come back for part two and hopefully a part three to dive a little bit deeper and ask some more questions. But man, I thank you guys. I humbly, humbly thank you for taking the time today, joining us on the show and uh, just being phenomenal. And to my people out there, remember health and wealth is the future of our people. And who, who are my people? You are. Have an outstanding day. This has been the Chef Dre Blast, Coach Andre Blast, and the recipe menu Monday.